Welcome to the first episode of the Sevens Club podcast, a podcast where we'll be talking soccer, TST, soccer across the globe, and really whatever else our man Jeff Cameron wants to talk about. It's a special first episode today where it's just Jeff and I, you know, chopping it up, talking about a little bit of everything. Jeff, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Enjoying the sunshine here down in Florida, um, but super excited to be a part of this um, this adventure, man. I'm really excited, and you know, there's nothing better than just to be able to talk about soccer career and funny moments, great moments, and uh, and and spin it with uh, other guests. So I'm super excited. Absolutely. The beauty of the Sevens Club is we're going to treat it kind of like a VIP nightclub. Only the top guests. <laughs> are going to be let into the club. We'll, we'll we'll release some of the upcoming guests very soon, but as we mentioned, it's just me and you here today. What what what's new with you? What's new in the Jeff Cameron world? You know, you're not playing religiously anymore, so let's hear what's new with you. Yeah, dude, I'm training hard for TST, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> we got a few guys um, that are actually heading out to California to go meet up uh, with a few of the other guys and see Nick Obviously, Nick is uh, is an amazing dude. He sponsored our team and just a great, great guy and excited to play uh, for Blade and Grass next year as well. So we're building that team back up. So we're, uh, we'll be ready to take it to the finals. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, to be honest, it's, it's Breck and I. Uh, we're out on the field every day and training kids and um, starting from the ground up. Obviously, our business is called The Ground. And uh, we are building a business to create an opportunity for every single player around with the academies, professional, to invest in themselves and, and to really um, take their game to the next level. So we've taken our experiences playing abroad and brought it together. And, and uh, we're trying to offer our excellence and bringing some pretty, pretty badass people over from the UK and, they're invested in it. And uh, yeah, we want to change. We want to change the game here in the States. Well, so it's a lot of hard work. The business side of it is just mental. It's so many things that like, you just don't know what you're doing. Like, and then you just kind of roll with it. It's just kind of like how you, you start your professional career. You just, you're just in it and you start to learn and adapt. And when you have the good support around you, it's, it's just a constant like reassurance of like, you're on the right path Just stay focused, stay focused. So yeah, man, I'm enjoying it, dude. Well, that's good to hear. You're clearly on the grind. It sounds like you've been grinding, you know, from day one, the Jeff Cameron story, obviously it's still being written, but it started being written a long time ago. What, what are some of your earliest memories of, of falling in love with the game? Cause obviously you do love it because now you're yeah. at this point in your life and everything is still dedicated to it. So what are some of your earliest memories? So it's funny because I was like a hockey guy. Like my dad was a hockey player. Um, absolutely. Like he should have been in the NHL. He had the ability to, but he let things outside the rink um, get to him. And like back then it's, you know, the 60s, 70s, you know, <laughs> the lifestyle and the party and all that kind of stuff. And he just saw the ability in me at a young age. Um, and he wasn't going to let me get away with anything. So he was hard and tough on me. And, um, I think I always joke around, like hockey is one of my favorite sports, 
And I don't know if I can ice skate right now, but it's been a long, long time. But I always joke around like, my dad, you tied my skates too tight. That's, and I ended up playing soccer. So and it was just one of those things, man. Like I fell in love with the game and um, he pushed me. And I mean, you have a lot of moments where you're in a car ride for three hours and you you have to listen to oldies and the mamas and the papas, the who, the door. And I love it. I love the music now because you have such an appreciation for it. But you just have some amazing stories and the journey of going from, you know, a little town and a little city in, in Attleboro, Mass, um, and dreamed of playing in the Premier League. And uh, um, a pretty cool story is like my grandfather lived up in Worcester and he would drive up there. He'd record his, uh, his Premier League game because you'd only have maybe two or three Premier League games that they would show over here. And he had his VHS, I had our VHS. So he would record one game, I would record one game. And then when he'd come down the next weekend for my soccer games, he would give me the tape. I'd watch the game and I'd give him the other game. So we were just like giving each other VHSs on a, on a regular basis. And it was cool, man. It was a, a really, really uh, an amazing journey. Um, hard, but I, I take those moments and the drives and all those things that you experience and even the ups and downs when you're getting in the car and your dad is like laying into you because you didn't like, you didn't run around or you just wasted his time. Uh, it was difficult, but it taught me how to just be a hard worker and be a grafter. And um, yeah, it's, it's my DNA. Well, watching the premier league, I'm sure you had your, your favorite players and your favorite teams who were some of the guys that, you know, when you were watching with your dad, watching with your grandpa, that you you fell in love with, you know, watching? And then did you ever get to play against or with any of those guys that you grew up watching? Or maybe you watched them more in college, but who were those guys and did you ever get to play with any of them? Yeah, I mean, first time against playing Man United, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, like that group, like Paul Scholes was an absolute stud. And then you see like comments from Zidane and say like if you know Scolzi was un untouchable and you're like he was unreal just his touch his vision just everything. Uh, but then Ben Percy, uh, he was one of those that his his movement and you know just watching him in Arsenal and then all of a sudden he's at see him at Arsenal play against him at Arsenal then he goes to Man United. And it's just like I was there around the, that time and got to play against him when he was at Arsenal when they had that squad. And then um, then he goes to Man United and they end up winning the league with Ferguson this last year, you know. Uh, there's so many more. Uh, David Silva. Uh, I mean, shit, Hazard. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to forget Drogba. What a baller he was. Uh, I mean, Bale. I like to say when Bale was at Tottenham, he was playing winger. I had to play right back. And first tackle, I got stuck into him. And he went to the other side, and I was like, all right, I've done my job today. I'm done. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean, it's like it was – you look just around the field and every, pit, every team and every, like, their player – 
there's like world class players and then there's like Premier League players. They're like world class players. The standard is so high, and you know some of these benches that for the top six teams are are ridiculous. So yeah, I mean it's it it was a it was some really 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 cool cool moments and kind of like surreal like Carzola like what a baller like it, it's just yeah I can go on but so uh, so what what's the process like as an American playing in you know the MLS in an American league to then be brought and or recruited to the Premier League what take me through what that was like how you found out hey a team in the Premier League wants wants Jeff Cameron on their team. What what was that process yeah. like? It was insane. Because at the time, you would say the MLS wasn't really a selling league. Um, and they wanted to, at that point, they wanted to try and keep, and I understand their vision at that time, that they wanted to keep Americans' best talent there to help grow the league. But they soon to realize that everyone sells their players to the top leagues around the world. Um, you know, there's, is a few of them that, and if, if a team comes in and they put an offer in, they want you. So you the club will make money. Um, so there was, uh, I had an, I had a game and I think we played Austin Aztecs and Adrian Heath was one of the, uh, he was a coach at the time and he was like a Stoke legend. And, uh, basically it was like, he wrote a report after it was like my first preseason with Houston and he wrote a report on me and he ended up sending it to Stoke, sending it to their head scouts. And then it went from that to like, there was West Ham, there was West Brom, um, Southampton, um, Everton. And then I ended up playing Everton in uh, the MLS all-star game. And I'll try to fast forward the, the story really quick, but basically I kind of agreed to personal terms with, with Stoke and uh, the MLS wanted like 5 million. I wasn't even paid a million at that point in my like pocket, essentially. Like that was $32,000 my first year. Like I was, I could have gone to McDonald's and made more, you know, like it, it, it was just that the dream, it didn't matter what it was like supplemental or senior senior developmental or and then there was um developmental roster and my rookie year I was senior roster so like it was able to like get a little bit more money and did a lot of appearances to make um ends meet it was kind of like you're at college still right um and then all of a sudden an offer comes in and you want to go to go abroad and I was like yeah like this was my goal from day one. And uh, I said to Dominic Kinnear uh, when he pulled me in his office and he offered me a senior roster spot, he goes, what, what are your aspirations? I said, I want to play for the national team. Uh, and I want to, I want to make the jump. I want to play at the highest level that I can possibly play at. And he, he's, I guess he, if you were to talk to him, like, it's kind of funny because he like, this was the first time a player has ever said like what they wanted to do in their dream. And um and he said, um, I never stop. I'll never stop you. I'll do whatever I can to help you, but you give me your best, your best moments and, and you try your hardest here and the sky's the limit for you. Um, and then that year was the first time I made a January camp and kind of went from there, but, um, you go for a $3 million bid, they agreed to it. 
um, agreed on personal terms. And then Tim Howard calls me, you didn't sign, like you haven't signed anything yet. And I was like, no. And he's like, David Moyes, like, wait, Everton's, we want you. So then I had a conversation with David Moyes and he's like, let's, let's get this going. And basically it was kind of a, a sticky situation because some of, one of the owners um, was part owner at Stoke. He was coming in with the Orlando ownership and didn't want to disrupt the uh, the next year when that team would come in. So I ended up being with Stoke. Um, and I'm actually really, really happy it happened that way because I was able to make my name for myself and I was like the first American there where it was great. Like I lived one block away from Tim. It was awesome. He made me feel made me feel comfortable. He was awesome teammate, great friend, um, and he helped me get settled. And that was really really important. But it was such a like a crazy time because there was the conflict of the MLS. No, we're not gonna. We want five million, and if another club comes in, we want more money. And I'm like, but yeah, it was just like this thing. And then the, the basically the deal was like at one point it was dead, like. They weren't going. MLS wasn't moving. Stoke or Everton were like, this is ridiculous. It's not happening. And I went into training. Dom was like, just go home. Like, just go home, relax, like keep your head. Um, and it was like, it was hard because it was like, this is this is your dream. And now I'm being kind of prevented from it. Um, and it was a win-win for for Houston. Um, cause then they would have had some money to bring Ricardo Clark back and, uh, and which they ended up doing. And like I said, everything works out for the way it's supposed to. But then when you get over there, it's like, this is the real deal. Like, it's just, well, it's, well, it's it makes so me want to ask. And I want to ask about the U S national team, obviously, cause that's a huge topic, but premier league, English football, like what was your welcome to English football moment where you were like, Oh shit, this is real. Like I'm in trouble or I can do this. What was your welcome to football moment over there? Um, I would say my first, uh, my first Premier League game, it was actually against Arsenal at home. And we, I just flew back from Mexico. We, it was the first time the U S beat Mexico in Mexico I flew back. We had the early kickoff. I got in like Thursday evening, Friday, and I'm like all jacked up. Like I got nerves. Like I'm at this point, I'm like, I'm flying. Like I'm feeling confident. I'm playing really good football. And um, you get to the hotel and I lived out of a hotel for like 12 weeks because I saw about 15 to 20 houses. And I was like, okay, not this one, not this one. Um, and we have like the 1230 kickoff and I just remember like just pulling up to them to the stadium. Um, and it was just surreal. Like it's, it's a culture there. It's like they live, breathe it. It's they're a working class community. They live for these games on the weekend and they just want guys that will run and fight and that are just hard workers. I'm like, that's right up my alley. And I guess you have so much pressure going in as like, oh, this American and you're the American, you can't play football. And kind of Clint kind of told me, he's like, dude, wear that, wear that flag on your, you know, your arm and, and uh, have that chip a little bit on your shoulder. Cause 
you'll always be fighting like Americans can't play. And even though we've done well in the, in the world cups previously, it's like Americans weren't really thought that we were like a footballing country or a soccer country, essentially. And Clint represented it well, Tim represented it well. So it was like, yeah, I can do it too. You know? And you'd hear like, Oh yeah. Yank. Or then you'd hear the typical, like USA, USA chant. But it was it was just crazy. I and mean, then you're getting dressed and you walk out for your warm-up and you're just looking around. And then all of a sudden you see Arsenal. You kind of go by Arsenal's side, like they were closest to the dugout. And then you run by Van Persie. Then you run by, like, Rosicky. And you run by, like, Marshav. Um, and then, like, you're like seeing all these players, Carzola. You're seeing all these, like, uh, what's his name? Drawing, drawing a blank on the center midfielder. English guy, you know. I, I, you got to lead here with you got to uh, lead here with the Arsenal guys from ten years I ago. Know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, anyways, absolute ballers, and I'm just kind of just, and it's like so really, you're not, you don't think of it. You're just like, all right, I belong here. Let's rock and roll. Like I'm ready to do this. Um, yeah, and I ran, I ran so hard, and it was like. The intensity, the the pressure, every second, every moment, it's like like one pass. And it was like, it was so surreal because we won the ball, boom, it was two passes, and we were down their throat, we almost scored. And then it was like, we were out of shape, and then boom, two passes, and they split our defense, and they were down, and it was like back and forth, and I was like, this is nothing I've ever experienced before. Like, this is fucking crazy. But it was like, not I can get with it. Like, I'm here for a reason, and let's do it. And I ended, up, I ended up getting my first man of the match that game, and it was it was pretty cool. I always played well against Arsenal for some reason. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, it was pretty incredible. So that sounds like an incredible environment. Obviously, you've played MLS, Premier League, World Cup, U.S. national team in Mexico, like you just said. What's What's the most unique environment that you ever played in? The Prisa in Costa Rica. That would say at their old stadium, it was like this small turf pitch, horrendous. But they had fences like either side. It was like you're in a cage match, right? And you got people climbing up, throwing batteries at you, quarters, whatever. It didn't matter. And this was like when I was at Houston for, it was like Champions League game. Um, then I'd say like, I don't know, like you go to some old old towns and like for the FA Cup game or uh, Capital One Cup game. And um, yeah, like uh, like maybe League One or League Two and you get some, you get some banter. When you go over and grab a ball and you get a, a five-year-old going like this to you and like, Oh, you do one, you yank. And like, you're just like, dude, you're five years old. What are you doing? Like you can't like, this is crazy. But then you just like, you just get used to it. And like, you just get that thick skin. And, um, but like environments of just hostile and just pressure. Liverpool is tough. Um, especially I fell in the crowd there one time. I'm like running and I kind of like my momentum got to get shoved in. I'm like two layers deep in the 
on the basically the stands and they're like oh you're right you're right and i'm like yeah sweet mate and they like push you and they're like oh as soon as they push you up they're like you look like this and you're like all right cheers for that like no problem but it, it's like every stadium kind of has its own vibe to it i would say like arsenal's very very quiet man united you would think is like super super loud very quiet but then you have like Liverpool, you have Chelsea's look like they're pretty on you, or they're on their own team. Um, West Ham, the old, old uh, I forget, I'm drawing a blank on the on the park, but dude, that's like when you walked out on the pitch and literally there's just bubbles everywhere. It was brilliant, man. It was like Green Street Hooligans, but like even better, right? It was it was sick um so like that was that was a really really cool stadium and they were super loud um yeah dude i i, I love the hostile environments because you feed off of that as a player yeah. you know like the booze and the like the all the other stuff that you hear you're you're such in the moment you don't actually like you not focus on it but you feel it on you you know and it helps like push you through uh or I guess that's a sense that, that I would feel at least. So it sounds like you got a lot of really good advice over the years. Sounds yeah. like a lot of it came from the national teamers. It feels like that's a good group, a good bond there. Who were some of your guys? And you mentioned Tim and Clint that kind of brought you in like under their wing yeah. and helped you out when you first got to the national team. And then who did you pay it forward and do that for? maybe the younger guys as, as they come in, but you know, you mentioned Tim helped you out. You lived right next to him, you know, in England, yeah. you mentioned uh, Clint. So who, who were the guys that you were like, wow, if it wasn't for so-and-so and so-and-so, I don't know if I would have played as long as I did or been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, great question. Um, I would say it was when I first made national team like on a consistent basis you know tim was there and clint clint and i got on really really well and alejandro bedoya and um kind of called it the three amigos because we would always just be together and we just kind of like the same things and we just we just vibe with each other so it was always an ongoing joke and you know uh after after training or a nice meal who's ordering the chocolate chip cookies and you always knew Clint had already ordered uh, chocolate chip cookies. And uh, and then it got to the point where we weren't allowed to have any of that. And our sports nutritionist was like, um, we ordered we ordered chocolate chip cookies one time and we opened the door and our nutritionist was like, uh, do you guys order chocolate chip cookies? And there was like four <laughs> glasses of milk, six cookies. And we're like, it's only three of us. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And we're like, you guys aren't allowed to do this anymore. And we're like, okay. But you got your DoorDash that, privileges taken away. Yeah, so man. It was, like, it was crazy. It was like that time. But then it, you just, you learn from what Jurgen did. And uh, and that's like further uh, discussions and topics later. But um, then you have like, my kind of getting the reps with the national team and kind of coming in and out with Carlos and being paired up with Carlos Bocanegra. And he was the captain and he was like helping me, you know, like with a partner, with an experienced player, an absolute baller legend to the national team. 
and I played alongside him. So I got to see a little bit the demand, um, just the pressure in, in general. So that was, that was cool. I would definitely say him, but more of, you know, Clint was, Clint was my dude, man. And then obviously Ali and Breck and we had a, a, a good group of guys. And then, um, then it was kind of changed when, when Christian started coming in and Ethan, you have these two young kids and, um, a lot of the kind of foreigners that guys lived abroad, they would kind of tend to kind of be with each other a little bit more, but just because of like, I don't know, it's just, it's, things are different over there. Right. And a lot of the guys, if they were in the MLS or they're based here, they had their family. It was easier. Like these guys were on the road and we just traveled 14 hours to get back here. And we would be up at like 5 a.m. in the morning and we go down and have a coffee and, and then you just chat and, and whatever. So that was, that was normal. But then Christian comes into the page and, and uh, it was like Breck, um, Ali, Clint. And then we would invite them for like desserts after, like after dinner, We'd say, hey, let's go grab some ice cream. You guys go get us ice cream, bring it back to the hotel. And they're like, they were cool, like, but it was awesome. They, they would sit with us on the bus and we just joke around and have banter. And like, we knew how it was to be kind of like by yourself and a young guy. And you have to be a little bit more cautious, but you got to see like when Christian's comfortable or when Ethan was comfortable, like, you got to see like their personalities a little bit better. And then, um, yeah, we'd take out, we'd go out to dinner with them. And, um, so they weren't, they didn't feel like they're just by themselves. So that was, that was cool. And, you know, to this day, we've, you know, Christian and Ethan and, you know, specifically Christian, like we're like good mates and like family where when I was over there, um, at my last three years at QPR and he, he moved to Chelsea, we're only like 15, 20 minutes away from each other. So, he would come over on a weekly basis and we'd have like family weekends, like where it'd be like a Sunday American, American dinner and we'd cook, grill out or whatever. And just, just to chat and just to chill. And some of it was just, you don't want to talk about football, but it was just more of like an American here an American there. And like, you're looking after each other and knowing what he was going through and the demand that he was at, like shit, man, the stress and, the number 10 now and like all that, it was, it was a lot for him, but the one thing he had was he definitely had like his friends there and um, he had, he had us to like bump it off of. So, well, well, that's sounds like you really did pay it forward. You know, Tim was there for you when you first got over there and then you were there for Christian. It sounds like I want to ask you the opposite kind of what we we're just talking about. And I need yeah. a good, I need a good Jeff Cameron answer out of this. I, you know, I grew up playing sports, still play some some pickup sports. There's always the guy that you're like, oh, shit, this guy's on the team again. Or, oh, shit, this guy showed up. Who was that guy for you on the U.S. national team that you were like, oh, we really got to take 17 guys or whatever the number is. Can't we just take 16 and this guy will play in four years? Mm. Like, just like a dick? Maybe he's a dick. Maybe you didn't think maybe he was the guy under you and like was trying to steal your minutes. Like who, who yeah. was that guy that you just like, were like, I don't want this guy on the team. Oh, dude, I can't answer this. There's a long list. <laughs> no, um, 
to be honest, man, like it was actually, it's funny because I actually had this conversation the other day and you have, you have dickheads, you have guys that are just the way they are. Um, and then you just vibe with certain people. Right. And, but each, even that the person's a dick or just not like a, a nice, maybe he's just an asshole, like whatever. But you know he has something to offer in a sense of like he has a quality, he can come in the game or change it. I'd say that my first camp, I'll tell you this, my first camp on the national team, it was a uh, January camp. I was called in um, from when I was at Houston. And apparently like Bob Rowley called uh, – Tom Kinnear and said, Jeff, I was playing right wing center midfielder playing a little bit of center half. And they said like, Hey, what's his best position? Um, Dom gave him his, he's, you put him anywhere like this. He'll be sweet. Um, he hasn't really played fullback at the time. So I wouldn't play at fullback. And I get the camp first position I'm playing in is a right back situation. I've never played right back and I was like really uncomfortable. And it was like the first time I'm going to the January camp and it was like this little click. And it was like Robbie Rogers, Sasha, Benny Phil Harbor. And I'm probably missing a few other ones, but they were like, like Breck and I actually said, it were like, they just like, kind of like looked down at us rookies that were coming in and I was just like, like, okay, cool. Like you're, I'm, I'm here to play. I'm here to like earn a spot and show my ability. But it was like, they've already been through the youth national team stuff. And they already had this like kind of click. And none of the European guys were there because they were playing in Europe at the time. So they, they were kind of the ones that were running the show essentially. And uh, I would say it made... I was uncomfortable, like essentially like it wasn't, it wasn't fun being there. Uh, I didn't enjoy my time in the first camp. And, uh, and it's funny because we, we actually Breck and I were talking about it. They're like, Fuck, man, it could have been so much different. Like now it's just how we are with like the young kids. Now the generation is completely different and you go in. Yeah. You have to have, you have to have some cockiness. You have to have some confidence, but you don't go in there being an asshole and people that are there, like you feel like you want to welcome them in. So they're feeling comfortable because you've been through that process. Yeah. And maybe it's just because they went through that process through the youth national team and whatever, but like, don't speak, don't speak above me or like, like kind of like you're speaking down to me and essentially like, dude, we're same level, you well, know, like. I always think it's funny with like older guys and younger guys, like congratulations your parents had sex five years before mine did. Like I don't control when I'm born. I yeah. don't control yeah. that. Like I'm good enough to, to be here now. So, and I know we'll, we'll dive into more national team things. You mentioned a bunch of guys that are definitely going to be joining us in the sevens club. But yeah. before we wrap up episode one, we got to talk about what brought, you know, this show together, which is TST the yeah. soccer tournament. I need to know what you thought of when you first heard about TST versus what you think of it now. 
Dude, uh, it was funny because Stephen Ireland was like, dude, I'm putting there's this tournament. I'm I'm putting a team together. And I was like, sweet. Stephen Ireland's baller. No problem. He'll put a squad together. And we had some like some good players lined up and, and they kind of back out the last minute. But at the time, Breck and I were still training and we had some options to still continue to play for the for the next season. And then we kind of just looked at each other and was like, it has to make sense when you have a family and all that kind of stuff. It's like, mm, probably not the best decision. Like we'll just focus and really start to hit on the business side of it. And instead of like moving in another place and for, for a year to just play one more time and, you know, I'm satisfied 20 years and playing at the highest level. Um, and no one, no one can take that away from me. So it was like, Shit, it kind of coincided like all of a sudden boom six like it was like maybe maybe like october i'm guessing like steve was like hey you want to play in this tournament in june i was like um yeah bro count on me if i'm not playing and that was the text message and then it was another text was like hey i'm building this team building this team and i was like sweet we're in breck and i were in because we were like at that time we just said we're done and all of a sudden he starts listing the name of the players and we're like, we're going to crush this. Like we had some absolute ballers. And then all of a sudden we're getting ready for it. And we have no idea, like they're in England, they're training on a 7v7 field, but it's like an indoor arena. So it's like half the size and they're flying around and Breck and I are actually like doing full pitch training sessions and like we're probably the fittest two out of the whole group but realize that it's it's actually a pretty decent sized pitch and uh we get there and we had no idea what what to expect what was going on we were we were supposed to train early in the morning but half our team didn't show up because they were coming in on later flights so we looked like the big joeys like we were like misfits and it was like the day before the tournament started, we were up on top of the turf field. None of us had training gear. None of us had it. it was, we were just like juggling a ball and like, it was like 5v2 and that was it. And like, where then you look down, it was like Wolves, West Ham, <laughs> Dortmund. They had their whole sports science. They had like, they were in full kitted out everything. And they were like training properly, like hard. And we were just kind of like thinking like, okay, with our knowledge and like harnessing you shouldn't be doing that like a day before a game that most likely you'll have two games so we kind of like just took it super chill like relaxed we're like all right we have a game tomorrow so then we get to the game and like all right what do we do what's the formation what's the lineup and we kind of just winked it and then all of a sudden steven island breaks his toe in the first game and we're like all right down a man now we have some younger guys that um, you know, they have great ability, but we just needed a little bit more depth in it. Another guy that he could be like our creative dude. And I mean, we just found a way and we, we ended up having a pretty successful tournament, but it was funny because like on the video of the game uh, of the, when they were streaming them, like we would do a really good warm up on top of the turf field and you'd walk down and then you get ready for the TV time thinking, all right two minutes you're straight in like this was our first game you're like all right 
we're ready. Uh, not yet 15 minutes to warm up again. And we were like, mm, 15, <laughs> we just did a hard 20 minute, like proper warm up. So then we get out there, like, and we're just jogging and like flicking the ball. And they just show, like, you kind of look after, and they just showed us, like, we're just standing there, like, having chats and stuff. And we're like, these misfits guys, like, they don't know what they're doing. Like, we, it was like, how do we have, how do we have a substitute? Like, what are our line changes? It was completely different for everybody, except for the football team, uh, the futsal teams. They were like, boom, 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 boom. It was like two minutes in and out. They were like hockey, hockey lines. And we were just like, oh, we're new guys. Oh, we got to adjust. Like, it was mental. But the best part of it was like the banter, guys getting back together. It was like the stuff that a lot of people didn't see. I mean, we're, you, don't tr- you don't talk trash, but it's like, you have these group of guys and yeah, we're all coming together and like some of us haven't played with each other, but we know each other and you just kind of, we just gelled with each other and we're just chatting shit and having laughs and get on the pitch. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it was, it brought that feeling of competitiveness essentially of like being in the moment. Of, it's the closest thing to like playing a, a proper game and it was like it was great for breck and i to have that after just retiring and it was like boom it was like really really quick after quickly after Mm -hmm. so it kind of like worked out perfectly and now we're like we're ready to go again for for next year i love it you i think you scored was it the first game winning first one yeah first first target score time goal last question of this episode you got to love target score time. I mean, when, when's the last time you had a walk-off goal game ends right when your goal goes through the net? It was, it was awesome. It, I mean, the crazy thing, it, it sucked for us at the end because we're up one, nothing or two, nothing. And then our last game, we were so gassed and we were like struggling and we probably lost to the, to the worst team that we played against. And because we played against some really good teams before, but I think it just, it was a domino effect of like, we just needed maybe two or three more guys and we would have been okay. But we were just so fatigued as a group. Um, when that target time, like, you're like, we got to score another goal here. And you don't want to like, you don't want to expose yourself to like, you leave yourself empty. And then as soon as I scored, it was like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. And then that's what like kind of crushed us. So it's great when you're winning, when you're scoring. The, and we had some, we had some really good moments where I think it was like three, four games where like we, we scored the winning goal or, or whatever. And um, where it wasn't like two, it wasn't like two, nothing. And then going at target time, we, we scored the third, but it was like two, one or one, one and, or one nothing, and then you go in, you target score, and boom, you, you win the game. And it, it's like the guys are celebrating and jumping on, like, yo, yeah, mate. like this is brilliant, this is awesome. And it's just like the energy is so real. And you have like the fans that came out, it was it was awesome. You have the people on the sideline that are like closest to the pitch, they're getting that like real, like raw, like footage essentially. That, like, I don't know, like stuff that maybe fans don't get to see on TV or stuff that you, you wouldn't see necessarily or hear when you're in the stands. But like, if you're grass pitch, like you're hearing the nitty gritty things that are like, 
the finer details you could say so dude it was it was freaking i think my my interviews it was freaking awesome man like yeah it was insane um i loved it and uh and it was great doing uh with uh, some former teammates and my uh my homie breck well year two of tst is just gonna get better and better there will be details on that you know very soon but i'm excited now- to hear all about it man We'll we'll let you in when there's when there's news to share. Yeah. But obviously, this show is just beginning. We really just touched the surface of all these various topics because the guests are going to help us, you know, dive down those paths even more. But before we head out of the Sevens Club and continue on with our day, anything else before we get out of here? Hmm. Ah, I'll save those. I have some pretty cool stories when I was at Stoke and. Uh... Maybe uh, when uh, when Breck joins, that we can talk about the uh, the big uh, the prank prankers and my uh, well couple years when when Breck was there and uh, with the pig's head and fishes and shoes and I mean it was mental. Brent, pranks over there are on a whole different level, man. It's it's insane, but I'll save that for for the next episode. All right, well this has been great. Episode one of the Sevens Club. We'll see everybody soon.